If you like growing food, then you might like eating food. And if you like eating food, then you might like cooking food. Well, go check out the first season of Backyard Kitchen available on Tubi for free. Available on all smart TVs and online. That's T-U-B-I. All free. First season of Backyard Kitchen. I want to start a garden and I want to do a sustainable garden. I guess the first step other than design the garden, which we did last week, would be to start my own seeds sustainably right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, where we talk about all things gardening. We are your hosts, Ben and Batavia, and you can find me gardening in the country. And you'll find me gardening in the city. Get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening where we learn to grow and grow for change. I don't want to talk about this because everything rushed into my head at once about sustainable seed seed starting, and it made me a little bit sad. Mm. So it should be an interesting show. Okay. But before we dive into those feelings and we get on the proverbial gardening couch of psychiatry that we have here, psychology, whatever it is, we're going to ask you to please find it in your hearts if you'd like to support our show and get two free episodes a month extra from what you normally get. Hook us up on Patreon. Come join us. We have a community there. We have a whole community garden there. Come see us. Link is below. And watch The Backyard Kitchen Season 1, available on Tubi and Telus if you live in Canada. <laughs> Boom. Okay. Yeah, I just, um, I don't know. Okay. I got a little worried about it. So we're going to work through this problem, okay? Yeah, I'm not I'm not tracking what, what the concern is. Okay. Because I wasn't concerned for, we've, we've been planning this episode for, or this series for like a month now, mm-hmm. and I haven't been concerned up until that exact moment when I spit out the intro, so we'll get there, we'll get there. Yeah, I got your back, buddy. Okay. So, um, as you, as, if you've been following along with us, we did garden design last week, sustainable garden design, uh, kind of walked through that, and now we're going to do starting seeds. And we have criteria that we want to meet in order to deem it sustainable. And that would be, uh, does it help with watering, pollinators, plant selection, fossil fuels, and tips? So we'll give you tips at the end of the episode. But the other ones are the criteria that it falls in order to make it sustainable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What do you think? What does your, your gut tell you? Well, I'm really struggling in the the anal part of me. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, that exists. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's like there's not a sustainable garden bed in my in my garden, right? Like it's not, you know. I shudder at the idea of like, you know, your garden is sustainable. I just continue to come back to, and I'm going even back to the very first episode when we introduced this series. Like these are sustainable gardening practices, right? You know, so how can you and I? I'll go out and say improve. How can you improve your seed starting practices so you're being more sustainable? You know, you're you're taking yeah. actions that you know promote or support a sustainable garden, right? Um, and that's a, a mouthful. So I know we can't say that every time we start talking about this, but it, I that's how I'm processing this. 
And there are absolutely, well, absolutely ways to use these practices with seed starting. So the one thing that I, you know, as we go through and we talk about watering, there's one thing that I, I have to, we've talked a lot about it. And the reason why it's first is because I feel like it's really important. Mm-hmm. I thought we both did, honestly. Agreed. Um, but do you know how much agriculture uses in water a year? On average, no, I don't. But if you do know, please share. I do know two quadrillion gallons a year. Hmm. So it's seventy percent of all water consumed around the world. Is that quadruple with a Q? Yeah, with a Q. And a quadruple. Queen quad <laughs> drill. Man, I'm now you messed me up. <laughs> quadrillion gallons of water. Yeah. I don't even know. That's that's an amazing amount to think about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, that may just be for farms itself. So, we haven't even taken into account what the big greenhouses and stuff do. And I mean, let's be honest, what we're talking about here is we're talking about the Bonnies and the Burpees mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all these other places that you buy seedlings from, right? But... We are talking about them, absolutely, but we are also talking about what the everyday John Q and Jane Q is doing, right? Right. Um, Company Q, just made that part up, Uh, because as we've talked about in previous episodes, all of the things we're doing, small or large, matter. Yeah, right, exactly. And I mean, and this isn't just for vegetable seeds, so if we... You know, I've mentioned some company names, so let me make it fair for all companies. You have, what is it, Monoriva? Is that how you say that one? I don't know. I don't know. It's that they sell flowers. Mm-mm. Still don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, it starts with an M. If you, you probably have bought their flowers and don't realize, not you, but just people in general. Mm-hmm. So you have like all these places. And the one thing that gets really hard, if you've ever grown anything in bulk, it's hard to do one-on-one care with everything gets the same amount of everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i mean because i mean we're talking about mass production Mm -hmm. factory farming is essentially Mm -hmm. of seedlings is what we're talking about so it's like it gets sprayed with water whether it needs it or not it's going to get it you know what i mean and that's something that we as gardeners don't have to do yeah we can say oh you know what i'll take it i I won't water this one today i'll water this one today Mm -hmm. so and we're talking about the time period we just got out of where we're doing them in our house essentially Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah and i wonder how much um waste those companies produce when it comes to like from kind of seed dropping to what actually makes it out and onto a truck to be shipped somewhere yeah you know so but at some point along that road, no pun intended, you know, before it gets on the road, there is going to be water and care that's given to it, you know. Um, and while, you know, we've all probably had a seedling that just didn't make it into the garden, you know, if you're me, you've had many that did make it into the garden. And in a lot of cases, they absolutely have had their first, second, 20th watering. Um, but I think. I, I like to I would like to focus on again some practices to help minimize the amount of water as we're starting our seeds, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean we definitely need to talk about that because there is a way to do it mm-hmm. and everybody has a different way, but when we when we think about watering trays of seedlings mm-hmm. 
how do we usually what's the first thing that you think about when it comes to watering like a, a method to um, water so and the method i continue to follow is bottom watering Right, but that's not the first method. The first method well, is just pour it on top. The first method I think of is that. Don't ask well, me a question and then revise my answer. <laughs> <laughs> now it is. But beforehand, and I mean, when I think of watering anything, it's always overhead water, mm-hmm. you know, give it to it. And like you said, the bottom watering is a good way to try and minimize that because you're letting it soak and you're giving a deep watering mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not just draining out. And if it's sitting in a container, then obvi- well, obviously it has to, unless you've figured out how to not have gravity, then <laughs> we need to link up. But uh, yeah, there's a it, lot of with house plants as an, an example, because those are oftentimes bigger than the yeah. seedlings we'd have. There's a lot of like not knowing if I've watered enough or too much. Um, while I do, there are a few smaller houseplants that I have that I bottom water. Most of them are just too large for me to be moving around um, to facilitate bottom watering. So I am you kind of just pouring water into the soil. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, that plant's going to use that water, you know, so it's not a waste when you're talking about houseplants. But I can see myself pouring water into a tray, letting plants soak up that water going through however many seedlings I have as I'm continuing to add water and then having a half a tray of water that I'm dumping, you know, and so it's not the best, most sustainable practice, but there are actually a couple of reasons why I'm doing it now. I may change and actually there's really primarily one. I don't want to pour whatever I'm trying to, you know, contain in my basement into my house plants. So if anything's dropping in that water, you know, um, my favorite aphids that I'm in year three of housing, you know, in my grow area, I don't want to transfer that over to, um, to my regular house plant. So that's why that water really goes down the drain. But what I could do instead is your practice of a little bit at a time. Don't let's not be fast rock and roll Batavia just saying let's pour a whole gallon, you know, and see where we we land. Um, That's hard for me. But I mean, I think it's probably the more responsible thing to do. Well, I mean, the other thing you can do, too, is just don't pour the water down the drain. Find somewhere else that you can use it that doesn't affect the inside of your house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can always go outside and pour water outside. Yeah, I could. Move the aphids out there. Yeah, I mean. Move them out there in the middle of winter. Let them freeze (laughs) to death. Nice, harsh death. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, I mean, that's a little step you can do for me. So this is the first year that I totally 100% bottom watered from seed in the pot Mm -hmm. all the way to seed outside, to seedling outside. And um, I did it like usually what I do is I would over I would water overhead and then I would come back. And once they got a little bit bigger and then I would start bottom watering. But I did the opposite this year. I just didn't overhead water. And it took me. It's about a two gallons a day or a week in order to water all of my seedlings. And I had well over 500 seedlings started in my house. So you can kind of, and it, I had no spill and if stuff, this is, this is where I took the risk. If I, I bottom watered and I came back and the tray still had water in it, I just left it there mm-hmm. and it might be there for a day. Yeah. But then what I did was I would just let it dry out more afterwards and not just keep watering. I would just let it just, so sometimes I wasn't watering for two weeks. 
Mm-hmm. I would just let it water. And it actually worked out pretty good for me. I was a little nervous about it, but I didn't want to pour the water out. Mm-hmm. Now, there were times where like, yeah, it did get a little out of control. So what I would do is there would, there's inevitably there was another tray of seedlings that needed yeah. to be watered. Yep. So I would just transfer that water into that pan or just simply switch out the the six packs of um, seedlings mm-hmm. out of that pan. And it worked well. Yeah, it's so, a whole production based on the quantity that you're starting and the different yeah. times you're starting them, the different growth rates, and in turn, the different watering needs. You know, at the very beginning of it, like that first couple of weeks, it's easy peasy because everything is kind of like just dirt, you know. But as time goes on, um, yeah. there have been many mornings that I've come downstairs and it's like, oh, yeah, let me move the um, the seedlings from that tray of water they've been sitting in since yesterday which again you know it's not going to do them any harm it was at noon yesterday now it's 6 a.m and i'm moving them out um but it becomes even and this is again this is just kind of inserting life into you know the space you want to be a certain way but then life is inserted and you have to retrain yourself so by the time i get outside so now i have things to care for inside as well as outside my attention goes with the biggest item and that's most times doing what's ha- you know, getting prepared outside. Um, so the desire to just pour a bunch of water and a bunch of things and let it do its thing becomes stronger. But anywho, that's just me and my thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it took me a long time in order to get to that point. And I think I wasn't sure. I didn't even know that I was doing it as a test. I just honestly wanted a cleaner way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize that people aren't starting the amount of seeds that I started, generally speaking. So I understand that there's going to be a little bit of difference. But, you know, reusing that water, um, do you think that they would transfer, the aphids would transfer from the water and the thing over to your uh, house plants if you use that? I, I mean... It's a chance that they will. And I, it's just it's like with the mice. Like, I just don't want to take it's These aphids are just driving me crazy. They're driving me more crazy than my garden squirrels and then the stray cats. So that's that's the barometer we're on. Um, but what I have noticed is things like, you know, I'll see them crawling along. Cause they, you know, at some point they're really small and not moving at all. At all. Then they're like, you know, kind of with legs and just moving about. So I've seen them like on seed trays crawling, you know? So if I really took great care, maybe not, but for, you know, six ounces of water, I'm just going to say it, even on a sustainable garden episode for six ounces of water, it's just not worth the risk for me. Yeah. Or traveling a- upstairs with that water. <laughs> Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I, the only thing I could think of is if you like put it into another container and then let it sit for a while, mm-hmm. then maybe you could. But there's, there's, you know, there's upsides and downsides to mm-hmm. it. But the one thing is, is that we're not doing as gardeners doing this is we're not just watering everything all the time. I, yeah. I think that we're safe to say that most people know not to do that. Mm-hmm. So... That's where the water savings can really come in. You can really make a difference with that, believe it or not, because this is the second year where I have not bought a single plant to put into my garden and it feels good. And I know that I'm making a difference that way because of the amount that I'm growing. So it's possible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just takes time. And now it saves a lot of money. If you haven't listened to the show that we did the special airing of the uh, Community Gardens podcast, you should check it out about the uh, prices are out of control. But let's go to our break. 
and then we'll come back and then we will continue on with our combo. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners. All right. So when we talk about sustainability and one thing we, th- we have to remember is that we want to improve the environment around us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've talked last time about like, you know, the bees, the mega pollinator that we all know and love are disappearing. And one thing that starting seeds can do is it can allow you to plant more specialized plants to help with certain issues that you may have or that you may want to be a better part of. You know what I mean? You Mm -hmm. may want to stand for something better in your garden and make a difference in some different way than saving water and... I know, dude. And this, like, I ordered oh these sticky traps. And you know what? I'm just the hell with you if you're mad at me for trying to trap and kill gnats because they. It just flew in her nose as I was speaking. Freaking, and lost no, that everything. was my lip. Um, or maybe I didn't notice it when it went to my nose, but definitely noticed it when I started to taste it. Uh, so <laughs> I have these sticky traps coming. And I almost said, can we just record after the sticky traps are here? In this space, I haven't done the the digging in quite literally to see there's some some plant here that's causing this and i have some new plants in here so the next time we record you may see no plants because i'm all like take them all out and then just you know isolate them all and then start bringing them back in one by one but anywho um so yes you want to be a part of change <laughs> yeah so for me and for instance it's hard for me to get milkweed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i found some seeds and i grew it and actually, it's funny. I had a uh, a follower and a listener of uh, a follower on Instagram and a listener from of the podcast um, in my area she contacted me. And they're like, "Hey, I want to buy some plants. Can I come support the podcast and buy some?" I was like, "Sure, come on." So when they bought the plants, I was like, "Here, take some milkweed with you. Mm-hmm. You know, add this to your garden because then they can get the seeds and do the same thing as I did, and mm-hmm. you spread it out that way." So there's always these options that we have. Um, the, again, going back to having the choice of growing native flowers, stuff like that, you yeah. know? Yeah, definitely on those two fronts. But also, um, and this is just a part of um, a lot of change. A part of change is always uh, a bit of getting out of your comfort zone, right? Changes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So a part of it is getting out of your comfort zone. There are things that you prefer, but is that the best choice for, you know, the goal that you've set? And sometimes they don't align, right? So yeah. I have had um, wildflowers seeds as an example, probably like three years now. And in my mind, I've convinced myself I don't have, and it's always like, plant them in a 100 square foot space. And I know you don't have to plant them in that space, but I get it. And I put off planting them because it's like, I don't want to give up the space that I have. I have other plans for the spaces that I would use for this, you know, but I know that um, for my garden as a whole, 
having some wildflowers probably would be a really good thing, right? And so when I look at things like, um, so another place where half of me is pro-perennial flowers, as an example, mm-hmm. the other half is like, I want to be able to get annuals. I want to switch this thing up. Um, but for the sustainable gardening episode, I think you should consider increasing the number of perennials. Um, one thing to consider around that is you're not starting them every year. So everything we just walked through, you know, when it comes to seed starting, you don't have to worry about that for that particular plant. You don't have to worry about going to buy that plant from the store. Um, and from a watering perspective, because we're not done with water yet, when that plant comes back from whatever dormancy it had, whatever period of dormancy it had, a lot of times nature will take care of its early needs, you know? Mm-hmm. So once it pops its head up and you start to see the greenery, you know, it's probably pretty a pretty good time into the season before you as a gardener are actually taking a hose out, turning your sprinkler out, needing to provide some type of irrigation for it. I'm not saying forever, but there's a period of time where it's just not your duty. You don't need to. Nature's got you. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> when a perennial plant sees me coming and I get my hands on that pot to put it in my yard, it's like, Lord, no, please. He's going to make me so thirsty. He is not going to take care of me. Because I make, man, you go in my yard as a perennial, you're going to fight for it. <laughs> you're going to fight for your right to survive in my yard, boy. I'm here to tell you, I do not water perennials unless I absolutely have to. So my... Uh- I mean, that's just kind of why you plant them, right? Mm-hmm. They're bred for, you know, kind of yeah. a lot of them are bred for the drought, you know, that kind of comes, you know, um, not kind of the droughts where, you know, there are service warnings about not using things, but just, you know, the rain one day, two weeks later, there's more rain um, for the front yard flower garden, which is one of my um, prized possessions. It is like it should be, too. It's beautiful. Yeah, Thank you. Um, everything that's in the soil is planted as a perennial. I have two two tier baskets that I scratch the itch of needing to plant something new. And that's where I put some annuals that I've started or that I've purchased. Um, but I say that to say at some point in the season, these flowers are like big and just bodacious. And a common question is, gosh, how much do you have to water them? And, you know, do you fertilize them? And you want to talk about somebody that's pretty low maintenance when it comes to that area. You know, I don't want to be out in the street with my hose, you know. I, yeah. I totally stand out in the street with my hose. But anyway, I say all of that to say, like, it requires so little of me as a gardener. You know, sometimes I fertilize. Most times I don't. Uh, sometimes when I'm watering by hand, you know, if I still have the energy, I'll go out there and water. A lot of times I don't, you know, so. Yeah. And I mean, selecting those plants for that, too. Mm-hmm helps but by starting them by seed you have way i can't even express to you how much selection Mm -hmm. you have you want you want a garden that stands out grow a damn seed because (laughs) when i walk up and down my street i see okay you went to lowe's you went to this place okay (laughs) you went to this place this is where you did all your shopping and then you come and then there's a select few of people that you walk by you're like where they get that at you know, what is that? You, you, you can't find it because they got the seed and they grew it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that allows you, one, you have a way more beautiful garden. Two, you have 
I mean, the variety that you're attracting at that point, maybe potentially of different pollinators. I mean, look, we're not, I'm not trying to sit here and get scientific with you about what colors do what and what flower <laughs> shapes do how much. And I'm just saying variety is always the spice of life. Mm-hmm. And it will always bring in more, brings in more eyes, brings in more bugs, brings in more, you know, brings in everything. Yeah, I agree that um, variety can increase the potential of having this diverse garden that brings in, you know, many of the good things, right? That feeds into, um, you know, the sustainable track we're trying to get on. Um, And you control a lot of that if you are putting seed in soil. Um, But I'm going to disagree with you on your first point. Um, Different doesn't mean more beautiful, you know. I'm almost, Did I say that? Well, you say you say something like you know you'll have a more beautiful garden, you know something along those lines. Rewind okay. the tape, Leonard. No, um. don't Leonard, because I don't want to hear if I messed up. <laughs> but I did not mean it like if you don't start your seed, you won't have a beautiful grass. Not what I meant. No, I, I, so specifically, it was like, oh, they everyone has the same kind of space and setup. You know, everyone went to Lowe's getting those same flowers. I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. if you want to have lilies are huge here in Chicago, you know, like day lilies, yeah. you see them everywhere. Right. And I'm OK with that. You know, I don't think it has to be different or hard Mm-mm. to find for it to be beautiful. You know, there absolutely is some interest. People naturally are drawn to that thing. that's like, oh, I've not seen that before. I get that piece of it. But if you want to co- like, copy and paste your neighbor's garden, do it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. It's up to you what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, so for instance, my neighbor, um, he's an older gentleman and he's got like three bushes, three bigger bushes, four smaller bushes, and then like another kind of bush up there, whatever it is, not a single flower. And I like it. I mm-hmm. think it looks really good. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's pleasing to the eye. So there is that. But just from the perspective of like standing out and having something different, it's just, it scratches that itch because Mm -hmm. we are sitting here in these (laughs) chairs talking to people that grow stuff, you know? Now the benefit of all this too, is if you attract the pollinators, like let's say you're just like, Hey, I want to save the pollinators. I I love them so much. They're my friends. Well, you're also going to get more in your gardens and then your food that you're going to grow is you're going to get more food from it. You know what I mean? So you won't have to go out there with your little stupid Q-tip and be digging into flowers and pollinating by hand. (laughs) Trust me, we've all done it. I get it. Mm -hmm. But how great would it be if you didn't have to do that? You know what I mean? I love them. They're my friend. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm tickled by that. (laughs) I mean, I grew, I went through a period. I remember one year I didn't see a single pollinator in my yard. Mm-hmm. And I had, I didn't have anything. I didn't have any cucumbers, any squashes, or anything until I went out there myself and pollinated them with a Q-tip. Mm-hmm. So I get it. You know what I mean? Um, I probably, if I would have been smart, I could have just made like my own hybrid cucumber squash. If I would have saved the seeds every year, because oh, I just no. use the same Q-tip for everything. Over and over, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't. You know. So there's that, you know, plant selection and pollinators, they they go together. And I think for the rest of the series, we'll continue that trend. Mm -hmm. But just remember that you have that option when you're starting seeds for way, way more variety. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you have an option to uh, look into, you know, potential size of those plants. 
And it, it all, I mean, it's all tied together. This is why we selected this, the subjects we selected supporting sustainable gardening. You know, so when you go back to thinking about your garden design, right, you know, for starting seeds, annuals, but mostly perennials, year one is going to look a lot different than year two. These plants will grow in size. In some cases, they will multiply, <laughs> you know, in number of plants. And so you can consider that, again, you're controlling your space. Um, absolutely, the bottom line is you have more control when, just the same way when you're cooking at home, you have more control versus when you yeah. go to a restaurant and buy food um, or, you know, purchase dinner or whatever have you. So. <clears throat> Well, the fact of the matter is a perennial, the first year it sleeps, the second year it creeps, the third year it leaps. So You're once so it gets settled, that's what it does. Mm-hmm. You know, like the first year you'll grab like, damn, it ain't doing nothing. And then the next year, like, damn. And then the third year, like, oh, crap. And then you got to split it and you start that process over again. I and have, it does uh, work that way. By the time this airs, it may I may figure it out. I have a perennial that was in a pot. And all it is is leaves at this point. And I don't remember what I, I remember one or two of things I put in the pot last year, but it's kind of like I was um, preparing the pot for, you know, new plantings. And I'm like, well, shit, I don't know what this is. I don't know if I want it here anymore. And so I'm like, right. I'm going to put it in the ground where, you know, it, it probably will be the happiest. And the reality is I'm not going to put anything in this space anyway. Let's just let it, you know, let it have at it. Um, so by the time we get here, maybe this airs, maybe we'll know what it is. Or maybe it will continue to be a mystery. It will be a mystery, always <laughs> and forever. So, um, and then we really need to think about fossil fuel consumption. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is where I got sad. Oh, why did you get sad? Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. Everything kind of came tumbling down, <laughs> raining on my parade at once. So, if you think about the fossil fuel consumption, that doesn't just mean fuel taking the plant from the greenhouse to the store, mm-hmm. right? It's the electricity. Mm-hmm. It's the materials being made. It's the fertilizers being made, the soil being trucked in, the water being delivered, you know, the people going to and from work in order to take care of them, you know, the people going to and from the place that you buy them to take care of them. And then it goes on from the people that, I mean, you can even break it down to from the people that go to the bank, to the store to get the money, to take it back to the bank. And then, you know, it can get really crazy. Mm -hmm. And so as we were thinking, as I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, I plant and I've stated before that I do not like the peat pots, do not like using them. I'm going to say that again. I do not mm-hmm. like using them. They just don't work well for me. Um, do you like using them? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. I feel like I've not purchased them to start seeds, but I've purchased them as transplants. And I feel like in my area for my garden, they never break down. Never. Right. I mean, I'll dig in my garden two years later and I'll still be there. <laughs> So it's like a Twinkie or something. No. (laughs) And I've actually had them like they dry out plants. Um, It just it really doesn't work out very well for me. But if we think about it, the plastic ones are. I mean, what's the right way here? If you use a plastic pot or the peat pots, what's the what's the appropriate answer? I mean, I, I think generally the reason why I like this part of our conversation is because 
Um, sometimes doing what's best isn't convenient. Um, and, and how do you weigh it? Like what's your decision factor here? Right. So, uh, the pea pots aren't the best for your, um, plants kind of short term. They're not. However, overall, I think that they're better for the environment, right? You know, so reusing of plastic is a, it's the good, better, best. Like if you got the plastic, you know, great if you could reuse it, but the goal should be minimizing the plastic to begin with, right? Right. Because I use the plastic pretty much. I tried to use the peat pellets this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like the peat pellets either. They just... I had some problem- very old ones and it was... It was not a crap shoot. It was just crap. But mine were like probably three years old or something. I mean, they work, but the the plants grow in them so fast uh-huh. that then you're transplanting that, and it's just it doesn't really work out for me very well. So, um, and there's a there's a lot of cost involved in buying the peat pellets as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I reuse my plastic, my six packs for as many possible times as I ha- can. As much as I can, I reuse them. And then I have other pots that I up-pot them to. And this year is the second year I've used them. And I'm scratching out where I wrote what it was the year before. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm envisioning that over the years I will have, it'll look like a, a you know, history log. A, yeah. Well, there's a Norman Rockwell painting. I don't know if you've ever seen it of a sailor getting a tattoo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're all the names are crossed off on mm-hmm. them. It's going to look like that. So... Um, but you know, I try to reuse them as much as possible and they're very thin plastic. Yeah. But when I say that, this is, this is how I live my life. I'm justifying it. And if yeah. I have to justify something then I'm wrong, uh-huh. I, you know uh, what I mean? I calculated, I spend three hours just on like, it was a huge set of them, but three hours cleaning in my utility sink in my basement, cleaning last year's, uh, six packs for me to reuse mm-hmm. you know so you know i could do anything else with three hours um but and i'm not here to say i'm some martyr i sacrificed three hours to do this but you know it's an investment right it's an investment in time and i'm still not convinced if the reusing it is the best thing for me and i'm still trying to track down why my climate which again every year i have a different idea of it but why my climate is just attracting all of these aphids but that's this is not the place to talk about that. Um, I do have a tip, which I'll hold. That you're gonna hold. Which you have to remind me of. That's related to six pack seed starting. Okay. So when you clean them, do you wash them? Yeah, I mean, I'm soaping water, scalding. My skin's peeling off. So then you you go backwards then on the sustainability chart, right? Because now <laughs> you're using water to clean them. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm using a shit ton of water. To yeah, and if you're <laughs> using those. soap, there's a possibility that you could be using petroleum soap oh, at that. Grief. So you're going backwards, right? Yeah. Two so steps what forward. I do with what I do with mine is I leave them outside when I'm going to use them and let the sun bake them, mm-hmm. and then that's all I do. And mm. so far, so good. Um, I did have the aphids last year. I don't know what the story was. That is, I got to be careful this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see, but. At the same point, like, it's like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yep. It's a really hard situation mm-hmm. for you to be in, especially if you care about it. If you don't care about it, then it's great. Yeah. It's like, whatever, you know, piss off. I'll do whatever I want. But <laughs> if you're trying to make a difference, mm-hmm. you know, now in my case, let's say that, all right, I want to do, I'm going to switch to peat pots. 
should I throw out all my plastic ones and then go buy the peat pots? And this is, I mean, it's it's the story that we all face. It's the, how many straws do I have? Plastic straws do I have? From when I didn't realize the damage that plastic straws do. So, do, do I continue what? to, to the environment? You know, like, have you ever seen a picture of, like, a shark with a plastic no, uh, straw in his nose or something? You've, no, no, no? Okay. Um, plastic gloves, a great example, you know. At, at the kind of height of the pandemic, it was like, you know, you're looking for truckloads of plastic gloves, right? Yeah. Reusable or um, disposable gloves. And so I didn't use as many as I thought I would. And I have a bunch of them. I actually either don't use garden gloves in the garden or if I do, um, I use actual like thick garden gloves. But when I actually put down compost from my bags, sometimes it's soup, soupy and it's kind of muddy. And I don't want that on my gloves. So guess what? Yeah, six boxes of um, disposable gloves. Go ahead and continue to use those. Like, again, it's the we can't do everything according to the letter of the sustainable gardening law. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you can. Um, but there are incremental steps that we can take to be better. Actually, oh, you I'm gonna get that t- to be better. Yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> I, 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 when I think about, I, I said you can't do everything, and I take that back. You can. Mm. You just have to make an effort to do it. And I think what it is is making a plan to meet that. Not saying like, all right, today's the day. I'm going out there, and I'm damn it, everything's going to be sustainable. I'm going to be good, Captain Planet. Here we go. That's me. You know, I don't think it's that way. I think it's a slow process. And you make that decision of, okay, we're going to tackle this this year and this this year. And your end goal is going to be, I want to be as sustainable as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. But that's your end goal, yeah, not your beginning goal. And that's how you become successful at it. Yeah. So back to my six packs, do I throw them out? No. But next time I need to buy more... Next time I need to buy more, I will buy, if I decide to do so, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to, but if mm-hmm, I decide to mm-hmm. do so, I will buy the peat. And I might buy some in between to try and test it out and see how it works. Yeah. So I have one for you. And oh, no. I, hate I am these making things. the, ex- yeah, no, it's terrible. <laughs> no one really ever in an organic podcast should ever lead <laughs> off like this, but I shall continue. So, I have one and a half bags of peat moss, like the big Mm kind of like the the blocks of it. Mm -hmm. And I have read countless, um, you know, blogs and articles on cocoa core is a better version of peat moss. Peat moss isn't as sustainable. Right. And so I sit and I say it's very accessible to me. Peat moss is right. Um, And reasonably priced based on my standard. And so the best version of me would say, use what you have and then make a more responsible choice because I'm using peat moss uh, because I'm able to guess what make uh, soil a soil starting mix a seed starting mix for pennies thanks to my good friend Ben who gave a great recipe for it right compared to buying what was pre-purchased that already uses that same type of product anyway um, I'm using it in my container gardening when I'm outside right um, so 
there are absolutely ways that I'm benefiting my garden by using a substance like this, but is this the proper one? <sighs> mm-hmm. So I don't know the answer to that. And what I will say is I, first of all, don't throw out the peat moss that you have and then be like, well, it's time to switch because <laughs> that's just like a swift kick in the ass, yeah. you know? So no, I have no um, plans of that. I mean, where does a cocoa noir come from? Uh-huh. You know, when it's grown, does any? I mean, I'm sure I'm not asking. Does anybody know? Like, there's other people on right now, but yeah, yeah, I didn't pull up any information to speak to it. Although I had plans on bringing this up, um, it's not. Is written. it? It's N O I R, right? N O, yeah, mm-hmm. like noir. Okay, well, it's obviously a perfume. I just googled it, and there's nothing but perfume coming up. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the it's. While you figure out the proper spelling, uh, I think it is still, I think it's still the same idea of not me throwing it out, but um, more so once I'm done with it, what decision am I going to make? Coco Core with a C, not an N, sorry. That's right. Mm -hmm. So I think that becomes like, again, uh, how true are you to this? Right. You know, what harm am I doing? Um, Generally speaking, I can't turn a blind eye and say, well, it's not I'm not doing any harm at all. I don't think that I can, you know, in good conscience say that. Um, I think it's just the idea of the oh, we've had this conversation before the shipping. How how long does it take to actually get this cocoa core to us? You know, you have to consider what resources are expended doing that. I think that was your argument the last time we talked about this offline. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, because you have to th- like, OK, here you go. Totally unrelated, but not really. So when we go to the beach, we take a one gallon water container, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we had one that we used for years and my loving son and even my wife used it to sit on. It was one of the Coleman water containers, one gallon. You know, we go surfing. We don't really take anything to the beach to sit on. So he would sit on it. It broke. Right. So now we're like, okay, let's buy a new one. So I go on, I I search everywhere for this. It's just a regular old cheap water container. Mm -hmm. Can't find it anywhere. Finally find it. I order it. It comes. They send me the wrong one. Okay. It came in two boxes. So now I've got to send it back. Then they sent. So then I got the truck coming and going to bring the same damn thing. So what did I do? I just said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and order the higher end, more accessible one be done with it. Mm -hmm. It'll last. And it's not very comfortable to sit on. So there's that too. (laughs) Just, you know, it's all pointy and whatnot. But the thing is, is I've, I've got this truck coming back and forth, bringing me stuff one time, one thing at a time. And it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? So it's like, yes, if you put, switch that out with peat moss and coconut for the water bottles, you know, the peat moss is the crappy or the plastic one. The cocoa is the, the metal one. Now, the benefit of the cocoa core, excuse me, is it's reusable, so you can dry it out and reuse it. And one thing I've never liked about using the peat moss is when you add water to it, mm-hmm. it does not want to accept the water at first. You have mm-hmm. to really saturate it. Yeah, that is one thing that I don't like, and the cocoa does not do that. And neither are adding nutrients, though. It's a filler of sorts. But in, in what we're yeah. doing, it's a necessary filler. Um, and yeah. I just had a line of, and it's probably the same story for peat moss. I mean, all of these, both of these 
as these two examples, which are popular ones, they're heavily processed to get not even forget the it's loaded on a truck for, you know, it's heavily processed to create it. Um, so, I mean, again, I go with the good, better, best, you know, yeah. maybe coconut core or cocoa core is better than peat moss. Um, and maybe I should be moving towards that because of that. Um, and, peat moss and cocoa core are obviously better than you know kind of big purchases of pre-bagged potting mix as well so there's that so in your okay here you go why is i just saw on google why is peat moss being banned Peatlands in Europe contain five times more carbon than forests, and disturbing peat for agriculture or harvesting it for compost releases the CO2 into the atmosphere, accelerating climate change, according to UK government scientists. Good grief, man. So, so there you go. Mm-hmm. So maybe just we don't even realize it, but we're accelerating mm-hmm. this process if you believe or don't believe we're going through a climate crisis. So, you know, depends. If I if I stop buying peat moss, do you think they're going to stop making it? Um, Yes or no? If just you? Yeah, just if I stop it. Yeah. No. Okay. But 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 the the asterisk that we've had as a part of all these episodes. You can't not do a thing just because you as an individual may not have an immediate or individual impact. You as an individual, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, will I commit murder if I'm not going to get caught? Like, you know, like you, you still you should still use your values to determine what yeah. if you're going to do a thing or not um, and how important that thing is to you. Um, so, I mean, there's something that leaves me with something to think about. Let's just say that and it has been on my mind. Well, as, as as we talk about that, you do. I mean, I, I want to remind people that I live my whole life like that. Mm-hmm. I don't eat factory farm meat because I don't agree with the practices. Do I think that that's going to stop them from making from having factory farm meat in the grocery stores and they're going to go out of business? No, not at all. But what I will tell you is that it got so bad with the almond milk that the lobbyists are trying to get it so it says almond drink instead Mm. of almond milk so people will start buying more cow milk. (laughs) So in time, things can pick up and gain steam. Now, if every one of the people listening to this podcast and ever do listen to it stop buying peat moss, you never know. It might make enough Mm -hmm, of a difference mm -hmm. to where they're like, hold up, we need to go get this cocoa core wherever the hell it comes from. Have no idea. So, you know... Let us know on Instagram where if you know where it comes from, but um, because I'm not gonna research it honestly, I'm just gonna <laughs> figure out which when is when it comes time for me to then I will. But as of right now, I'm not researching it. So, um, yeah, but that's the whole sustainability of it. Now we are here where we need to give some tips. Okay, give us your starting seeds sustainability tips. So it starts with going to your local stores and begging. So I am notorious for um, collecting the seed trays that oftentimes are used in your big box stores. Um, they are not your typical, what is it, 16 by 20 trays. A lot of them have drainage holes just as a practice to make sure that 
plants are sitting sitting in water um, every year, a couple of times a year, I ask someone in the garden center if I can have them. A lot of times they have them just sitting aside, stacked up somewhere. Sometimes they're sitting in a garbage can they have there. So I ask them if I can have them. I take these home and I store them you know, to the ceiling because I have so much crap. Uh, and I use them for two reasons. One, I use them to transfer my seedlings from inside to outside when I'm hardening them off. But specifically for seed starting, I have, and maybe by now, I keep on saying this, by the time you, you hear this, this will be on Instagram. I have started things like um, mustards, started things like spinach, use that same tray, put my seed starting mix in instead of the six pack sale. And it already has my drainage holes, drop my seeds in and just nurture that tray of plants that I've now grown. So I've done that with a number of different um, flowers as well as vegetables, especially those that are going to go outside at a kind of small state. It's super helpful for that. It's easier to transport them in and out. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's no um, potting up for me with these these things I'm doing this for. So I wouldn't start tomatoes there. Um, but I have seen people take different methods when it comes to starting tomatoes, like just dump a whole bunch of seeds and then kind of instead of thinning them, they separate them and repot them. I don't do that. I don't think I will, but I'm not doing it yet at least. Um, but it is definitely for your leafy greens, some of your flowers that you're okay with bringing outside and planting in a smaller state. Yeah, it's if you make it easier for yourself, mm-hmm. you're going to do more of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's extremely, if you have, so what, how many does that um, tray hold? I mean, I'm, I'm talking like dozens and dozens of seedlings that I have. So imagine if you had to take each one of those was a trip. Let's say you mm-hmm. could carry four in a hand, but mm-hmm. still like yeah. it's too much. So you're just making it easier for yourself. It's a lot easier to wash out that tray as well. If you continue to wash them out versus the method that you shared with letting the sun, you know, radiate the yeah. germs. The sun is a disinfectant. Mm-hmm. Remember that. So for me, <clears throat> it's it's propagate as much as you can. Order seeds early, get them cheap, and save them. Be be very careful with how much you grow, how much you use to start. So of of brand new pack of seeds, they're all mostly going to be viable. You don't need to put four or five, six seeds in a seed mm-hmm. cell. You can put you know one or two in. Generally speaking. Um, start your own slips for your potatoes, all that stuff. Look up ways and research ways that you can do this without buying and ordering stuff. So starting your sweet potato slips, planting an entire potato in the ground, taking a cutting off of a plant. You know, I took one lavender plant and made 25 lavender plants last year off one plant. So I did that, Mm -hmm. you know. Be as resourceful as you can and don't be hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing, too. And take baby steps. You know what I mean? Were you giving one one tip or like 58 of them? 58. That's how I roll. (laughs) You know how I roll. I bundle them together. Mm -hmm. I'm like um, like that show. What was it? American Pickers. It's always better when you bundle. (laughs) So but uh, um, for the um, the seat. Number so if you're ordering online, a, a um, try to do one order or 
you know, just let's not just order one pack of seeds, you know, five or six times. Mm-hmm. Um, and this may be unpopular, but I've had a package, two packages of seeds in a cart for an online seed company. And I just didn't have anything else to order from that company. And so between the balance of paying for shipping and then it just being two packages of seeds, I just left it in there. But guess what? When I went to the store a couple of weekends ago, those seeds are in the store. Same price, same quantity. You're able to get them. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, you can have a running cart Mm -hmm. and then come back to, they're not going to erase your cart. Mm -hmm. And if they do, you already knew what you get. I mean, I had one year, um, unsaid place deleted my cart four times. <laughs> so by the time, and I was hell bent on getting my seeds from them. <laughs> by the time I got, I had my order memorized. So get prepared um, for the, yeah. the reminders of you've left this thing in your cart, but Hey, here is a trick depending on the company. Again, you, this goes beyond seeds, but depending on the company, you put some things in your cart. Don't order it that day. It may be a day, maybe two days, maybe three days. You'll look up and have an email with a discount code, right? Yeah. You know, let's complete this order, Batavia. Here's, you know, $10 off of your shipment. Um, that is actually a strategy. <laughs> it also yeah. says, you know, how, what is the need really? How do you, I mean, do you really, really need it? And it's, I'm not pretending like I buy only the things I really, really need. That's not my, my MO. But again, it's a strategy that I've used. I don't know how long companies are going to do that, but I'm going to keep on leaving shit in my card until, you know, they stop. Well, and the thing, other thing too is if you order them, and so this, epi- this episode's coming out in 2022. Mm-hmm. If you order them at the end of 2022, they're going to put all the seeds from this year on sale. Yep. Make them sweat. Make them sweat. Make them work for your business. Yep. You know what Make I'm saying? Like, don't I just give it. it to them. Now, I will say this. Now that I have said this a few times, I will no longer be telling everybody where I'm buying my seeds from because I want to get my seeds. <laughs> I'll tell you after I get them. But I want to make sure that I get my seeds. But um, in all seriousness, I mean, make them sweat. Make them work for it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I feel like there's, there needs to be a little bit more effort on their part. So, um, like she's, I, I think that's great. Leave them in there and let them send you a discount code. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. And then you can look up to company coupon codes yeah. online and you can get those. I too. was thinking about that. Of, I was thinking about that right. and I've never had an issue with it, but you know, there's always the whole clicking on random links thing, but there are to your point, some companies that have like almost evergreen discount codes. It's just not yeah. something that they publicize. Right. Yeah. I found quite a few of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and one last thing before we go on to the next um, section is everything that we gen- most 90% of what we say is sustainable will save you money in the long run. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not really big into let's go out and buy a bunch of stuff in order to be sustainable and spend a lot of money. Yeah. So. Uh, up- the idea we are trying to minimize upfront costs. That's just the way we roll, you know, yeah. while recognizing that, you know, some of the things we do will absolutely, there's not a free option for everything. You yeah. know, I mean, I bet there you is know. somebody that's figured it out, but anyway, that ain't us. No. And on that note, we'll be right back with the recipe of the day. Then <laughs> what question do we get asked the most? I would have to say it's probably more something like, what are the products we use in our gardens the most? Ding, 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 ding. That's the correct answer. Hey, there's an Amazon link below. 
When you get over to the Amazon store, know that you're going to be supporting the podcast, but all of the products both Batavia and I have used in our gardens. We want to see you all over on YouTube, so check us out at Backyard Gardens TV to watch our podcasts and other gardening videos. Cauliflower tacos. All right, so you have to hurry because the cauliflower is probably just finished up if it hasn't finished up weeks ago. I'm going to toss in some radishes here and damn it, they're starting to get hot and we want to make sure that they're not getting too spicy. Um, so let's, let's like stop what you're doing, you know, get your garden grocery list, get these ingredients together so you can make this tonight. Um, a few cups of the florets. So you're going to cut them into bite-sized pieces, whatever that means for you. Um, we're going to include things like some red onions if you have them, a little bit of zest with that. We're going to need some olive oil. You can coat your cauliflower florets the way you want. I'm not going to tell you whether or not you want to air fry them, which you can. Um, you can roast them, which I'm always a fan of. You can bread them. I'm going to go naked and I'm going to leave them completely unbreaded, add a little bit of oil. I'm going to season it with things like some chili powder, some cumin. Um, I'm going to do maybe a tad of salt. Um, Maybe some pepper. I'm not that big on pepper, believe it or not. So anyway, I'm going to season them up. If you're putting it in the oven, you've preheated it, you're going to roast it. You're going to put it in your air fryer. Let's get those babies cooked. And it'd be nice if they were a little bit crispy. We're going to get our taco shells, corn or flour. Um, you can create a sauce for this. Um, I'm going to use salsa for my garden that I made last year. Um, like a pineapple salsa would be good. Let's line up the cauliflower bites in the shells. Let's add a little bit of salsa. If you have some radishes, we're going to slice those super thin. It's like the top two ways of eating radishes in a salad. Super thin on tacos, super thin. Uh, we're going to slide those into the shells. We're also going to add a little bit of that red onion. Here's another tip where you can take this to the next level. If you have some um, cabbage in your garden or in your refrigerator or on your grocery store list, if you make your own slaw and add it to this instead of that pineapple salsa, baby, that's some good eating. Get, get a lime and squeeze it, whichever version you went with, squeeze it on top. I'm a huge fan of avocado. I just can't get the timing right on them. So if I have an avocado that's not gray, I'm going to add that as well. Ooh, cilantro. Is it too hot for it yet? Probably is. I planted mine in the shade this year. Yeah, add we'll it see. if you got it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not a cauliflower fan. I know you're not but what am I? No. <laughs> yeah. So actually I do want to share something with everybody. Um, one of the community garden episodes on Patreon, we had somebody comment something and I'm going to find it and I want to read it to you because it is crazy. Well, um, did you get it? Cause I have a question for you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, do you have a favorite uh, type of taco? Fish, fish tacos. Yeah. So this person lives in Washington state. They went to buy a head of cauliflower and just one, and it was almost $10 for the actual vegetable. Sometimes I believe that's crazy that like when I see California gas prices, I feel like I don't know what pain is in Chicago. Like the way I cuss 
every time I have to fill up, you know, and with my car now, it's like, oh, I'm not letting it go past half, half a tank because I don't want to I don't want to see the price that it's going to cost me to fill it up from, you know, empty. You know, then I see like because it's the high for us has, has been so far uh, like 530 or 540 kind of for the premium as a high. Um, and but I've seen prices like nine dollars in California. And I can't imagine going into a store where shit, any vegetable would have a nine dollar or ten dollar tag on it. Dude, I told them I was like, I would buy a pack of seeds and be slinging them seedlings on the street. I mean, I was, I was that's. Just, I was talking about asparagus. I was telling my neighbor, I'm gonna be all on um uh our main street out here selling it by the handfuls in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One handful a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. That's all right. So, um, but I, I yeah, fish tacos are my favorite. So, and then you can kind of digress from there. But we so did I ever tell the story about our taco week? Um, no, but I'm uber curious about it. I don't have a favorite. I've probably never met a taco I didn't like. So we are big on teaching moments in our house. Mm-hmm. And young David would eat the talk, take a taco and he would bite it in the middle <laughs> and then it would just get everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I was like, no, son of mine. Can with I... The open side or the closed side? In the middle, like he would hold it up and then bite it in the middle. Yeah, from so the bottom. it would have two from the bottom. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, or he would like start eating it from the top. Like uh-huh. he just couldn't figure it out. So I was like, all right, we're going to do tacos every day for one week, a different taco every day. And it was the best week of my life. Oh, wow. We had bean tacos. We had, you know, we do like replacement meats as mm-hmm. I named these. So we did like chicken tacos, beef tacos, fish tacos, shrimp tacos, tofu tacos. Um, I mean, we did veggie tacos. We did the whole nine, you know, and guess what? My man can eat a taco. All right. Um, not every taco deserves it and it doesn't really click with every taco. But if you give me some pinto beans on a taco, if you give me some pinto beans in a taco shell, I'd be a happy gal. Just saying. Well, when you come, when the petition's fully signed and you mm-hmm. move down here, that's going to be our opening meal. Gosh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like tacos? <laughs> All right, everybody. Remember this. The world wasn't made in one day. It took seven days. And you can make a change. And it doesn't have to happen in one day. It can take seven years. But you can make a change. Every little bit helps. Right? Agreed. Check all of our links. Help support the show. We love you guys. Have a good spring. Hell, it's almost summer now. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that too. The countdown is on. Do we? We're not really doing a countdown for summer, huh? No. Yeah. Okay. We'll be here though. And until then, see ya. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Please follow us on YouTube at Backyard Gardens TV, Instagram at Backyard Gardens TV, over on our website backyardgardenstv.com, and then we have Patreon at Backyard Gardens. And don't forget to check out our links below to help the show. Thank you so much for joining us as we learn to grow and grow for change. Cut. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.